Hello, and welcome to the Three World Podcast. This is your host, Danny Ryan, and I'm here with Tommy Ryan, my co-host. How you doing, Tommy? I'm doing well. It's a good day to beat up on Georgia Tech. Oh, you're going to start <laughs> out this way. Oh, sorry, guys. This is like take two of our podcast because... Danny forgot to dial the microphone in the right way, and so it was really dampening what I couldn't, you know, people want to hear your voice sometimes and want to, more than hearing mine, and so you've got on a orange shirt, obviously, for the game today. That's right. Playing tonight. Tonight at, at Georgia Tech. At Georgia Tech. We're not, neither one of us is going, we'll watch it on TV, right? That's right. There you go. Hopefully it can stay up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what time is it? I guess probably they start around seven or something like so. that. Yeah. So, how, and then the sock check. Let's see. All right. No sock. Uh, oh, ooh, I actually do have socks. Yeah. Take off your shoes to yeah. see the fanciness. For all right. Well done. Looking good. Looking good. And uh, what I wanted to do today was to pick back up. We were talking a couple weeks ago about um, the practice areas and the service offerings that we have. And we were going through a book that's called How to Write Copy That Sells by Ray Edwards. In the first part of it, we identified sort of the feelings that we want somebody to transition. So going from a point of feeling anxiety to feeling peaceful or whatever it is that we're trying to address. Um, Today, I wanted to talk about who is it exactly that we're talking about addressing and so who is the person that uh, we are writing this copy for who are we trying to target who do we typically work with who's the I think for us um, it may be a group of people but who's the key decision maker involved in these projects and so I wanted to go through um, the offerings that we have and try to identify who that person is and so if we start off with our, our migrations practice um, for the Jive migration services, again, those are that's one where you're moving from complexity to simplicity is typically someone who's trying to save money. <laughs> you know, they're mm-hmm. trying to a hard cost uh, that's there where they see, um, you know, Jive and SharePoint slash Yammer do some very similar things is can I save some money by moving, uh, consolidating. And so... Also, I think simplicity of when there's mergers and acquisitions taking place Absolutely. and one company has Jive, the other person has SharePoint. Yep. If they decide to consolidate and do it all on SharePoint, then that's a it's a cost and a, you know, um, a simplicity of one place to go versus multiple collaboration platforms. Excellent point. And so typically we're dealing with, uh, in the Microsoft world, they talk about business versus IT and really have those two big buckets. For this, I think I, I, I listed the director of IT or the VP of IT, someone at that level um, who would be uh, making that decision, someone with some trying to make some hard cost savings. Yep. No problem with that one? No, I, no. I think that is, that is going to be common, I think, in organizations that we're typically working with it's large companies tens of thousands of people um, and the CIO CTO is not at that level of detail they are going to say yes let's do this project but the person that we have to convince is usually someone a level or two below that awesome the SharePoint migration services for this one we're they're trying to stay up on the latest platform so I find this is, again, it's a, it's a director level type of decision, um, but this falls into, it's either like 
marketing or commu uh, corporate communications, whoever it is that, that, that might be responsible for the company's intranet um, would be the person ultimately making the decision. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be the typical stakeholder. You might have the, the CTO in a, in a smaller organization that's been um, put in charge of, let's get off of this old infrastructure into the newer infrastructure. Um, ideally, it's driven by a business need. There's a, a set of departments or groups within the organization that are frustrated with, oh, I, I want to use the newer stuff. And if they look at what's out there publicly, things like Slack and other social tools, um, they don't want to be working off of older platforms. They want newer platforms that have the type of collaboration that they're used to mm -hmm. um, and have some options in that collaboration. So um, those groups are usually forcing the hand of we need to update our infrastructure and then the CTO and the director of IT um, might be implementing it, but I, I think it's healthy if there is someone within the organization that is more the director of collaboration mm -hmm. that's behind the initiative because you're thinking about what problems are we trying to solve versus let's just switch out the infrastructure and think that that's going to create value by just switching out the infrastructure. Nice. Uh, and I, I think if it's approached that way that it's purely an IT initiative then it tends to have very low adoption. There's confusion of, yep. you're giving me more stuff. I don't need more stuff. Um, I just need my work to be easier to do, more effective. And I want tools to enable me, not tools that to, to distract me, in a sense. So the uh, Office 365 dedicated to multi-tenant services, that one's the stuck to free. Um, for that one, I think it is, that's CIO. <laughs> that's that's uh, typically the person who is making or trying to make that decision um, is involved. I know probably more than the other ones, the CIO would be involved. I think the ultimate decision, though, would fall to you. You're much closer to these than I am. What, who, who would you? It's going to be the, the CIO, the CIO? CT, CIO, CIO, CTO, okay. um, that they're looking at you know, cutting costs or they're looking at strategically, um, we want to be in a, in a multi-tenant environment and we're comfortable with that. And they're, they're fine with going to, you know, not a dedicated environment anymore, but more of the multi-tenant environment. The next one, so we're jumping over to the portals practice. Um, this one is uh, SharePoint intranet services. This is this one sort of it, for me it falls underneath the same as sort of SharePoint migration services. This one I'm focusing in on sort of who is it that um, who owns again who owns the intranet. So I would almost go back to the director of collaboration is the one or whoever it is that's responsible for the intranet would be the one that's going to be making the decision on this. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and then the um, I'm just writing these down here. I'll take a picture of this at the end and we'll, we'll post this up uh, with the blog post as well. Um, for extranet, this is going from insecure to security. Um, who is it that, who's it that typically, is it the same person that's doing the intranets as the extranets? That's what we've seen. Because okay. it's, a, you know, it's sort of a, a person that owns a platform and, um, 
you know, the director of collaboration usually is tied to SharePoint in terms of owning the platform. Okay. The other one, the other services that we have here, I mean, there are ones that have to do with, you know, workflow, with search, with social. I think they all sort of will fall into the same thing. The only one that I know that might be a little bit different is um, business intelligence for the BI projects. Is that still the same person? Well, I think people that are driving BI or more of the finance and accounting um, teams, um, anyone that's looking at analytics, maybe someone like director of operations, um, folks that need to take data and make decisions based on data. Um, And a a very common one is finance. Um, Also, I think a CEO is going to care about BI because they want to have that top level view of the organization and, and drill down. Um, and so I think across the board, a lot of the, the VPs are going to want to have a feedback loop to say, all right, we're doing these initiatives within the organization. What's the impact? Are mm-hmm. we are seeing the, the numbers move when we turn certain dials? Awesome. Moving out of portals and into app dev, um, so first one, application development services, moving from disjointed to integrated. Uh, this one, I've seen this title, which is the director of apps or the VP of apps. So somebody who's responsible inside the organization for, for all of the line of business apps. That seemed to be the person who we're trying to target with this. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, someone that might be the director of special projects. You know, sometimes <laughs> you have yeah. people yeah. that are, kind of in that role that they're in a sense doing business development mm-hmm. by going after new ventures. Um, you know, the folks that worked at Polycom were working with someone that was kind of in, in that, that role of I'm out there building partnerships and you know, understand the ecosystem and making investments that put us in a direction that's going to be healthy for our organization or our product line. Mm-hmm. Um, so the director of apps, I think, is that, you know, sometimes that person, but they might be just working with what they know within the organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're connected to the people that are saying we need to reach out and go beyond, you know, our known inc- ecosystem. and We need to integrate with different ecosystems mm-hmm. so we can um, kind of tie into that customer base. Yeah. And I think for us, traditionally, the director of apps is very used to using internal resources. So we haven't had a whole lot of in, you know interaction with the director of apps right. because they're so used to, or if they outsource things, they're just want, they'll go to low costs outsourcing and just right. go have more of that type of a, approach to things where you know, maybe a special project or something that comes up would be something that they would look for outside help or maybe somebody who's a technology specialist in a certain area that we have expertise in. This next one is product development services. And that one I put the VP of business development where I've seen business development director. And this is actually, this is one where it's the type of company also comes into play, which is for an ISV. Um, For folks who don't know, an ISV is an independent software vendor. So this is someone who has a primary output of, you know, they create products for the marketplace. And so for a lot of the connectors that we created, that sort of those fall underneath this product development services. You don't have to have anything to add to it if you don't. All right. I'm good. Um, The other two, the Trove 
to so I put trove services from frustration to productive and then the other one is um, channel services for these what i found is that they're the salesforce admin right because, because they're, they're in the app looking, exchange they're in the app exchange they're looking for solutions to this so when the copy that's in there should be targeted it's either the office 365 admin or the salesforce admin because they're often they're often presenting these solutions to their teams to say oh we need to do integration between salesforce and office 365 Hey, I found this cool app. You know, this is what it does, and and I think you know they probably pull in a larger group that ultimately makes the decision. But a lot of the copy, I think, that I, tr I try to target um, is is to a, an, an admin, a Salesforce admin. Last one: sustainment, um, going from overwhelmed to supported. And that one, I put it could be the CTO, CIO level. Uh, it could be I was find out find that it's a lot of a lot of times the op, whoever's in charge of operations. Right. So we've built something for them, and then we need this to have you know be sustained long term. Who's in charge of operations for their organization, or it might fall underneath some sort of other um, a, a, a VP or director of a certain line of business. It could fall underneath them as well. Yeah, and in some cases where we've got a lot of our sustainment is through a governance board that says if you're going to put solutions that are customized into our SharePoint environment, yeah. you need to be on retainer in a sense to uh, maintain those applications because you have the domain knowledge of what was built versus the operations group is going to just keep the the lights on in terms of the infrastructure in place and the, mm -hmm. and the SharePoint environment healthy. But if there's anything specific to the application that needs to be supported, they want us on the hook. Mm -hmm. And so we're contracting with, say, a business stakeholder um, that sees value in keeping that application healthy over time. Last one here, and I think we want to move this from sustainment service to, I think it's a portal service. I think it's been... Um, going back and forth as far as roadmap services, because there's been some internal discussions about that. Um, but who do you think, who's ultimately buying this roadmap services from us? Who is, who is the person pulling us in to do that? A director of collaboration, a CTO, okay. um, someone that is responsible for the SharePoint portal. Um, so we can help them have vision to how they onboard different services within, say, Office 365 over time, um, have a vision of architecture, of how do you pull in the different elements of uh, a total solution from Azure to Office 365 to hybrid to search, all the different elements that come into play for a strategy. And we're layered in, you know, what are the, the business value um, solution, you know, solutions that get put in place over time that allow you to mature with the platform. So that that's usually a, a director level or smaller companies, the CTO, um, to help them create that vision. Great. So next step from here, this is very helpful. You know, uh, uh, going from here is we want to talk about. Um, they have in the book sort of amplify. 
So what happens if this problem isn't solved? Um, and so the next step that I would like to go is, again, now that we've got sort of the role that's commonly we're, com we're, we're looking at, what is it, how are they impacted when they don't go and solve this problem? Or like most people, or if they make no decision at all, how does that impact them? And so we'll, our next step in this uh, discovery process or whatever journey that we're going through is, is sort of talking through that. What does that look like if, if they don't make they don't find a solution to the problem or they don't do anything at all. Okay. Awesome. Thank you everybody for taking the time to listen and just uh, going through this uh, journey that we have where we're looking at all the, the, the services and you probably think about um, if you're a services company as well, sort of doing something similar uh, when you look at what your offerings are. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us on, on this journey. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay.